How y'all doing? More than conquerors. When I uh, first started on this message several weeks ago, I knew I had the word and I knew that it was true, but I was really struggled putting it together and I just didn't feel I had the heart behind it yet. And uh, it's called something else. It was, it was a little different. Poor Evelyn, our graphics design lady. I messaged her Thursday, can we change everything? She's like, of course. And then like, she had it all done, like immediately. And now we have beautiful mountains, which I love mountains. It wasn't until Friday morning that I really feel like I got the heart of this for us. And this message could seem like, sorry, as I'm like adjusting myself here, it seems like this could be a really like hypey, rallying up, charge, into the darkness attack type message, and it's, it's, it's not. It's a message on identity. It's really a message out of Romans 6, 7, 8, and living victoriously, and, and going from the places in our life that hold us, or that we, we gaze upon, and the things that distract us, and going from that place to a place of intimacy, and that word is often like a buzzword, like intimacy with the Lord, like, and that's a great word, but really when we say intimacy with the Lord, we mean relationship. Like interaction, relationship, friendship with the Lord. But then not to stay there and to go to a place of impact. Significant impact, kingdom impact, purpose. And so I just, I just want to pause for a minute and invite the Lord. Jesus, we, we are here to hear from you, not, not from Joe. Not his excitement or, or passion, but your zeal, your passion that is faithful to build your house and complete the things you want to do. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself in greater measure. You're always with us, but would you speak, would you come and pierce our hearts this morning with the truth of your word when we tangibly feel your presence, you speaking and changing us, encouraging us and raising us up and lifting us up. Come, Lord, and have your way. You do what you want to. We love you and we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's just jump right in. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? And these things are the previous chapters in Romans. It's talking about how Christ has died and risen again, and the power of sin and death has been destroyed. And in Romans 6, it goes into the whole explanation. If Christ has died and carried our sin and carried death and carried the law, fulfilling the law, if he died carrying those things, they died with him. That law is now dead. This, the law of sin and death has is, is been overcome and defeated because he rose again. He literally died and was murdered, carried those things on our behalf because he lived a perfect sinless life and overcame it all. Overcame death. And if we are in Christ and have died with him, doesn't that mean we are alive and will live forever with him? Yeah, if, that, if that, that's the end of the message, great. That's it. Like, how much more do we need? 
Like that's it, we overcome death. If we do nothing else in our life, we've overcome death. When this tent, when this body perishes, which every day, uh, it's not healing as quicker. I know I'm only in my 40s, but it's already starting to slow down and it's frustrating. We get to be with him forever. Death is overcome. So anything we face between now and then, how much more than conquerors are we? We're overcomers. So then, and then, and then seven's all the doo-doo stuff, right? I, what I do, I don't want to do, blah, blah, blah. It's a bunch of doo-doo. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Romans 8, victorious overcomers. What then shall we say in response to all that stuff? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give up all things? He gave up everything. Jesus gave up everything. He even gave up his life. He laid down his godly prerogatives and became flesh, lived perfectly, gave up his life. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Has any of us ever really faced danger or sword? Probably unless you're in the military or a police officer or a victim of a very rare circumstance. We, not in this country. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, we're not. We're considered as sheep. It looks like we're going to be slaughtered, but no, no, we're not. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because you can't kill us. You could kill these bodies, but you can't kill me. I'm going to live forever with Jesus. You can't kill me. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah. Ooh, second service is a little more lively. All right. I, I was pretty wound up by the end of first service. I'm still, I'm still a little wound up. So bear with me. If I'm a little too intense for you, I apologize. Not really, but I, this, is who, this, is, this is who I am. This is how God made me, and I, I, and I get to enjoy being myself, being his masterpiece in, product, in process. This is the message. This is the heart of the message. Again, it's not a rally cry. It's not a hyping up. It's a message of God calling us higher through a whisper. He doesn't scream and shout, follow me. He went to his disciples to follow me and they laid their stuff down. He didn't yell and shout at them. He didn't have some great pomp and circumstance. Just follow me. And this is what he wants to do today. To kneel low into our stuff, into our pain, into our stuckness, into our sin, into our trauma and pain. He wants to kneel low and extend his hand to ours. Say, get up. Get up and come and run with me. Come and run with me. Come out of your comfort and your complacency and your apathy. How many of us are pretty comfortable with our... I mean, I'm not, I'm not shouting down our blessings. I mean, oh my gosh, we have so much. I'm pretty stinking comfortable when you travel to another country or travel to certain parts of cities and 
you see, you see how comfortable we are. Got a great building, great sound system, great worship team. It's, it's awesome. I love it. But uh, are, we, are we stuck in complacency? I mean, maybe this is just me. <laughs> he wants to pull us out of that. He wants to pull us out of defeat and hopelessness. The things that have bound us up and locked us up and imprisoned us. The hopelessness that, like, this has just been going on for 10 years, 20 years. Come out of that. It is really that simple, right? If we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, if we believe that the law of sin and death has been broken, it's, it's really as simple as choosing the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying there's not a battle. I'm not saying there's not strongholds. I'm not saying there, there doesn't need to be freedom and deliverance. I'm not saying any of that. But it is as simple as stepping into the presence of God and saying no, because I'm empowered by his grace. It's not my own will. We've tried that over and over in our lives. It's into, he wants to take us higher into deeper relationship with him. I wonder sometimes, I know this for myself, maybe this is this way for you, maybe not, but when we talk about intimacy and we have events and we do these things and like it's beautiful, it's powerful, but then you, I walk out of the building and then it's like, I'm not being intimate. It's just not, I'm not transformed. I've had this encounter, but I haven't been transformed. And so something's off, something's wrong. Trying to figure that out. And I wonder, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I wonder if we put sometimes, maybe just me, have put an event equal or above to God. And like, it's, it's about this event. And like, God is kind of like supposed to be in this event, but it's about the event. It's about the experience. And I am so experiential. I love experiencing God. But is, is it about God or is it about me feeling good? And, you know, he wants to take us out of all of that into deeper, richer relationship, deeper, richer interaction. Really, relationship, right? Relationships just is experiential. It is all interaction. But not in an event. He can move in an event. And oh my goodness, we see him move. Hopefully he's moving in your hearts right now. This is an event. Hopefully as we're gathered, he's moving because we're together and opening our hearts to God and seeking him. So what do we do with those things in these moments going forward, right? I'm kind of an idealistic person, right? So it's like, this is good, but God is calling us higher, right? It's this holy discontent, like, oh, if this is how it is till he comes back, this is great. But there's more, right? There's more than us just getting together and singing songs, even though it's amazing and he touches my heart and I cry or I laugh and it's wonderful. But there's, there's more than just this, right? Yes, he wants to call us from these moments into his purposes and plans that he has, that he dreamt about how he wired you, how he made you, how he gifted you, how he's positioned you, how he's called you. Co-mission, the commission, the great commission, co-mission. Together he wants to do it, not, you know, everyone's not as zealous as I am, so everyone doesn't struggle with, yeah, let's go, let's just go do that. My wife is not that way. My wife is, is a great anchor in my life. I have several anchors. God uses his anchors, and it's very helpful. Sometimes I'm like, stop popping my balloons. No, but they're great, great anchors, and it helps me not waste time and energy and get frustrated and disillusioned because I'm only trying to only do what God is calling, not what I'm calling myself to do. But you are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. 
But why don't we live as more than conquerors? Why, why don't we live as conquerors often? I think it's not, it's not just sin, right? There's plenty of sin in our lives that we know we're sin, we're repented of, and we don't like it. And we, we wrestle with that, and that's part of the Romans 7 and 8 and being victorious and not having condemnation, all of the, yeah. But it's not so much those things that, that we, we mess up in. It's the idols, our idolatrous hearts that want to live out of the flesh and not the spirit. We're constantly going back to the flesh. We come to a service. We come to a prayer meeting. We, we, you know, we, we, something, a great thing happens with the Lord, but then we're right back to the flesh. And we'll, we'll get to a reason why I think that is the way it is, but idolatry is loving, thinking about giving time and attention to something, someone as much or more than God. The things that become idols on the forefront often aren't sinful, right? Movies, I love movies, I love bow hunting, I like bike riding. Those things in and of themselves aren't idols, they're great. They can be wonderful blessings and good, you know, enjoyable things that are gifts from God. But if I'm consumed by them, right, we know that. We know the idolatry message, right? But I think those type of messages from the 80s and 90s have been forgotten because they were too harsh, they were legalistic, don't do this, do this. So, but we've forgotten about the gold that were in those messages from earlier in our lives because we swung the other way. All the idols. There's just so many things that we worship and give our time and attention to. Oh my goodness. I don't know where I put my phone. I put it somewhere. Thank God. That's, that's an idol for me. I'm telling you. I don't know where it is. Thank God. Dagon's fallen. <laughs> All the idols. Here's a list. Not exhaustive or exclusive. Here's some skipping stones, things we know. Let's talk about this one for a second. Politics. If we didn't learn anything as the church, and I don't mean specifically our church, but I am including our church, if we did not learn anything from 2020, is that politics does not equal Christianity. Right? And I know some people are on both sides of the aisle and all over the place, and praise God, we get to vote. We get a vote. That's what we get in this country. Yes! But that's not our Christianity. I mean, Pastor Tom's given that message. I won't. I'm just, please, in 2024, telling myself this too, can we not, can we not re- resurrect the idol of politics into our faith when election time comes? Yeah. Let's vote. But let's give each other the freedom. You know, I don't, every, I don't understand why some people vote one way. And I've had those conversations, real conversations, and they have valid reasons to them. I'm like, okay, I just disagree. That's not what we can disagree and still love each other and still be Christians. Amen. Justice. Oh, here's another one. Justice. This is my, this can be my idol. Justice. That was so wrong. Yeah, it was. It was totally wrong. We should take up a cause and never back down. Well, unless it's about Jesus dying for you, I don't want to die on that hill. Yeah, there's injustice. There's horrific things happening in the world. There's some horrific things happening in our country. And we should, we should stand. We should do justly. But justice should not look like the same spirit that we're coming against and standing up against, right? Like justified anger and hatred. Are you kidding me that this is? Okay, another message, another day. But that justice, idol. Money, power, image, Pleasure and entertainment, I mean, we've heard that we, I mean, since I was five years old, 
I've heard this message about idols and entertainment. Okay, lust, lusting of the eyes, wanting, 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 sexual desires, all very selfish, focused things. Here's an idol. Church, church form and function. Well, clearly we know God better because we pray in tongues. Clearly we know God better because we're not Arminius. Maybe we all aren't. Maybe there's some Calvinists. Clearly, we're charismatic, so of course we're going to be the ones used to transform the city and show everyone else they need to have what we have. Have we put our theology and our role in the body of Christ above the rest of the body? I don't know. If we made our form and function, our theology an idol, then yes, that's a problem. If, we, if our worship team look just like Bethel, then we'd have revival. <laughs> or upper, upper room. They know how to be spontaneous. If we could just do it like that. Or the other extreme, we should not have drums because drums are of the devil. I, I, I learned this. My dad, I, my dad has a church, and I grew up, so I grew up in the church, and I grew up since 10 playing drums on the worship team. And the church we were at, small, it was a smaller church. And I learned, I rebelled from the Lord for many years. Many of you probably know that story. But when I was away from the Lord, I learned after the fact that there were several people in our church that thought drums were of the devil and had left after I rebelled and went away from the Lord because drums were of the devil. I was like, oh, what? I didn't even know that was a thing. I just played my drum for him, pa-rum-pa-pom-pom. I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> See, I just like, I grew up ignorant to so much of this. All the problems in the body, I was so ignorant to it all. And now I've become more aware, unfortunately. We have problems and God doesn't care. He cares about our problems, but he loves us. He wants to wash us and cleanse us, right? Okay, so why do we have all these problems? Why do we have all these idols in our life? Because we're such horrible, sinful people. Well, if we really understood our sin, it'd be like, yeah, thank God for God. Thank God for Jesus. But I don't think that's the problem. I don't think the problem is is that we just desire sin. If we really love Jesus, we don't desire sin. We may slip in, we may fall in. But so then why all these idols? You know, we see this throughout, throughout Israel. We see this Paul speaking to the New Testament church, all their problems and, and overemphasis is, and which you could just call idolatry, that sort of stuff. Why? I think we're bored as a church in America. We have so much. We sing that song, I don't have much. I don't have, yeah, right, look around. We have so much. We have too much. We have too much, so give me a heart. I mean, really, that should be the song. We have too much. We're just bored, and we're not experiencing the power of God in our lives. We're not experiencing his power. Oh, my, the times, I'm sure you can relate. The times in your life when God is moving and, and, and speaking and doing things through you, it's like, oh, yes, I love being a Christian. This is amazing. God, you're amazing. And we have those moments and we have those seasons and they're awesome. And it's like, I'm just going to sit and watch this show. I've seen this nine seasons of this show twice already in my life. But let's start it over again and watch the same thing. No one's guilty of that but me, right? I mean, this isn't about 
isn't about legalism and just, we can't have any fun, right? No. But it's, what, what is our heart's desire? What are we giving our time and attention to? And I think we go to the idols where we make things into idols because we're so bored. We're so bored. We have a thousand choices for a thousand different things, and it's just like, I don't know. So how, how do we experience more of God in our life? How do we go from the places we're at into, into deeper relationship, into more significant impact? Because God is moving, right? He's moving. He's moving in our lives. We're here today. We're gathered today. He's moving. Well, that's when conviction comes. And there's that revealing, that understanding, oh, in this area, I'm giving more of my heart than I should be to this thing. I'm giving more time and attention. This sounds really kind of silly and stupid. I didn't say this in the first service, but I'm remembering now. When I was working on this message this last week, in the middle of working at the Lord's, like, remember that Spotify uh, uh, playlist you have? And it's been, for like a year, it's been a workout playlist that I, I don't play every time I work out. I mean, here and there, a couple times a month. I was just compiling songs from the 90s. I called it my angst playlist. And it was all like the songs I liked in junior, senior high, freshman, junior of college. It was like all the angsty songs and 90s grunge. I was like, oh yeah, this is... And most of them, they're not even like horrific, super like evil or wrong songs. Most of them are like people searching and crying out for God, but they're crying out for it in the wrong places and looking in the wrong place, right? So I kind of like the redemptive look at it. But anyways, he's like, why do you have that playlist? That's not helping you. Why are you feeding the flesh in that area? I'm like, I'm not. Those are just, you're feeding the flesh. Boom, delete. I just deleted it. Okay, it's small. It's like so small. It's like barely an idol, but it was. And he like pointed his finger on it. Good. Joe, you've watched The Walking Dead all the way through four times. You're going to do that again? Oh, God, I like a walking dead. The brutal reality is that we're feeding our flesh way more than we ought to or ever. Should we ever be feeding our flesh? No. But we're feeding our flesh so much, and we don't often realize it until that gentle conviction comes. And it is painful, and it's piercing. But wouldn't we much rather live according to the Spirit, the freedom, the life of the Spirit? We're free in the Spirit. I can watch movies with the Lord. Oh my gosh. Before I was married, in the beginning years of marriage, before kids, like Ashley's not a big movie goer. We go to movies sometimes, but I would go and I'd watch movies by myself with Jesus and I'd watch action movies and I'd be crying because God is speaking to me about the movies. Like, that's you, my little buddy. You're a brave heart. <laughs> William Wallace, yes. You know, it just, I, whatever. You can say whatever you want about that. But that was, that's my relationship with the Lord. And people that know me, maybe not as much, I've watched much less movies now, but so many of my quote-unquote prophetic words were about, were for movies were involved. And I, I mean, I think they were, God uses movies in that way. But anyways, it's a funny trail. Conviction comes, and it's a brutal reality that we're feeding our flesh and living and not living according to the Spirit. And we want to, we want to, we want to, and we don't, because we're bored. We're bored. And we start looking at other things. Whatever we make room for, that will come and fill that space. So it's decision time. It's decision time today. It's decision time tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Every day, it's decision time. Hebrews 3.15, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. That, I don't think, is an abstinent or obstinate, no, I'm not going to listen to you, Lord. Yeah. But are you sure? You, you want to listen to those songs? 
Eh, they're fine. Eh. It's a subtle hardening that hardens time, time, time. Eh. But do you want to be looking at that? Eh. But do you want to be listening to that? Eh. You care a lot about that thing. Eh. And we make so many excuses, right? We make so many excuses. Not out loud, because we'd never tell each other that we're making excuses. But we do. We make so many excuses, and we keep drinking from empty cisterns and spreading ourselves under every tree. It's Jeremiah 2. I mean, read that. It's like you hear the heart of God. You hear him like the jealous lover. Like, why? Why? Why are you doing this? You're drinking from empty cisterns. You're sucking sand. You're sucking mud. What are you doing? Come back to me. Under every tree, you're spreading yourselves. And that sounds very sexual. It's not. It's, it's, it's actually about worshiping idols, which actually, in those days, was often had very sexual practices. But so every tree, there's an idol, and you just spread yourself and giving yourself to this thing. And the Lord is like, why? I love you so much. Return to my safety. Return to my protection. Return to my love. Return to all the things that you need, I have for you, and more. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and relent and leave a blessing. This is Joel 2. And if we know Joel 2, there's Joel 2's army. Like this is in context of the army of God coming alive. Return to me. Return to me. There's great purpose. There's great impact for your life. We see this throughout the Old Testament. Through the prophets. Warning, 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 warning. And the promise of blessing and protection and, and prosperity. Right? God does want to prosper. So that's not a, I'm not saying a prosperity gospel like, oh, I just need a pink Cadillac or whatever it is these days that someone wants. It's not that. But prosper. And you listen and you read what these prophets were saying. And it was not good. God is like, if you continue on in, in pursuing these idols, if you continue on in loving other lovers above and beyond me, it's going to be really bad for you. You're actually going to be dispersed. You're going to be spread apart. You're going to be divided and, and, and in exile and spread all over the place. And it's going to be horrible. It's going to be famine and drought and disease and persecution. It's going to be so bad for you. But if you just stay with me, I'd protect you and love you. If you just love me first. It's, if you don't, it's going to get so bad. This, the, the famine's going to be so bad. When your children die, you're going to be so hungry. You're going to cook them over your own dung. Whoa, calm down, Lord. And then he's like, okay, it can be cow dung. It doesn't have to be your own dung. Wow, still, I'm going to eat my own dead children. You're worshiping other idols. You're away from me. I can't help you. I can't love you. I can't protect you because you're away from me. Return to me with all your heart. That was always his promise. Come, just come back. Just come home. It's okay. Just come home. All will be forgiven. Just come home. Return to me. That's the place of Intimacy when we realize that, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Like there is no power unless we feed the flesh, unless we give into it. There is no power from sin unless we cultivate that, unless we give in and feed it. The blood of Jesus washes us clean if we confess 
our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. We got to get rid of all the doo-doo in our lives, right? It's, it's Romans 7 can be our experience and probably maybe is. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I do do, I don't want to do. And then when I start doing something, it's not what I want to do. And the things I don't want to do, those are the things I end up doing. Well, stop living by the flesh. Live by the spirit. It, it, it is that simple to say, and it is, that, it is that simple. We just need to live by the spirit. Well, Joe, we're in a war and a battle. I know the devil is out there roaring like a, like a prowling lion, like a roaring lion, prowling like a roaring lion. I know the battle is not easy. But we don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. Within the power of the Holy Spirit, it's falling down. It is. <laughs> the Holy Spirit touches you. Poof. You get a revelation of the fear of the Lord, you are going to drop to your knees. I'm telling you. You know this. We know this. But that's, that's not really the, what the power is really for. The power of God is to overcome sin and darkness, to overcome death. That's the enabling power of grace. We, we misuse grace. John Bevere has a teaching that I listened to years back that I'm like, yes, this is right. We, we say, oh, we just need more grace. Like, give me room. Like, I'm in the process. Yes, you are, but you need mercy. Mercy, grace empowers you to come out of your mess. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. But we're like, me. I'm just going to keep going my own way. So we need to get rid of all the doo-doo and get into Romans 8 and be victorious. And we know it's not our own strength. We know it is the grace of God. Attach Ephesians 6 and put on the armor and stand in his mighty power and pray in the spirit on all occasions. Like, if we're doing that, we're going to be making some ground. But if we do it once in a while, we're, we're going to be, we're not going to see his power moving. Again, it's not a performance thing, but it's a, you actually have to be in relationship, right? You really have to be engaged with him. And he will give you the strength. He's teaching you to be a warrior. He's teaching you to stand and fight. This is a doorway to intimacy with the Lord that shows us who we really are in him. Again, I said at the beginning, this is really a message about identity, that we are his children and, he, and we are his priests and kings. And he wants us to rule and reign with him today, tomorrow, in eternity. We are more than conquerors, but only by the power or, or only by the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit. So let's get rid of all the doo-doo. Let's get rid of those idols and engage the Lord. And again, this isn't just so we can feel good, right? Like relationship with the Lord is, is that. Like we actually, he's a person and we can encounter him and speak with him and be with him. And he speaks to us. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop there, right? Like the whole reason he brought 12 and taught on the hillside and Release the 70 is all, is all because he had his mission, right? What was the last thing Jesus said before he ascended? After his resurrection, the very last thing he said to his disciples. He gathered the 11. Judas was dead. No one wants to be Judas, right? That's a bad day. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The last thing he said to his best friends. I'll be with you to the end. Now go and do all the things I've taught you. I'm with you to the very end. Go, go do these things. We call it the Great Commission. 
co-mission. God was on a mission. Jesus was on a mission. When he was first, since he was first born, since he left heaven, he was on mission. And he's still on mission. The mission's not over because he ascended and, and overcame death. That was the, vic- the victorious blow. That was the overcoming. And now is just the spreading of this truth to the nations, to every tribe, nation, and tongue. And until every person has said yay or nay, he's on mission. And even if they say no, he's still on mission until they physically die. He's not ever going to not be on mission. So we have to decide if we're going to be on mission or not. There is great, significant impact that each of us have. And it looks different than each of us. Significant impact does not look like this pulpit for everybody. And frankly, this pulpit is not the significant impact in my life that how God wants to use me. It's one aspect. This is, this is, this is a blip. So frankly, in, in eternity, all these other things are little blips, but they're significant and they matter. They're little flashes of God and his masterpiece and his work in each of us. So this famous quote from a wonderful movie that I've seen many, many times, what are you going to do with the time that's been given to you? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? We've been given so much. In a large house, would you say this is a large house? I think this is a large house. In a large house, there are many articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Like who wants to, wants to get to the gates of heaven? This is not salvation, right guys? Just to make this very clear. This is not about salvation. But this is about our reward. This is about the time we've been given. It's about the talents and gifts we've been given and how we use them, how we steward them. I personally don't want to get in just like the fire's burning my fanny and everything and just getting in. I don't want that. I don't think any of us do, right? No. Who wants to cross the finish line and, and just like, you barely made it. I mean, praise God. Praise God if that's you. Like, praise God if that, if that ends up being your life. Like, that's fine. And there's like the deathbed conversion. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. But really, good job. You just, you just did the bare minute. You just squeaked by. There's no judgment if that's you. I just, I can't live that way. I'm not wired that way. I don't think God wants any of us to live that way. Let's continue on. Those who cleanse themselves of the ladder, of the wood and clay, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do good work. Like, who wants to be a common, common, everyday thing? Like, no, God has made you a masterpiece. There is gold and silver in each of us. What's your impact is, is impact I can't have. I can't go where you are. I can't go to the places of your influence. We know this. And I so believe when we start going out and doing the things that God's called us and destined us and wired us and dreamt for us to do with him, our life becomes so exciting. Yeah, it looks like we're about to be slaughtered and there's principalities and demons and darkness, but I have the God of angel armies on my side, so I don't really care. You know, you want to kill me? That's fine. You can't kill me. I'm living forever. You can't kill me. Like if we get that in our spirit, because that's true. That's not, that's not hyper-spirituality. You cannot kill me. You can kill this body, but you cannot kill my soul. I will live with the Lord forever. Amen. I don't want to die. I don't like stubbing my toe. Are you kidding me? 
I'm not, I, I'm like such a baby. Like, oh, Ashley, I hurt my toe. You know, I'm just like, it's not like I'm super tough. But you can't kill me. The harvest is white, but the workers are few. Let, let's be some of the few. And let's turn that around. Let's get over our fears, our insecurities, our distractions that are keeping us. God says we are more than conquerors. And he wants to impact our families, our neighborhoods, our city. I mean, we have a neighbor, this couple, they hate us. They've called the police on us because our young adults are over and we're having a fire. And like, they've knocked on our door and they're like, your son touched our fence. I'm like, he's 12. Why do I, you know, know, and to them, I'm I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He'll never touch your fence again. He won't climb over the ball. They're 27 years old. I'm like, wow, wow, if you're this crabby at 27. Anyways, <laughs> I'm probably more crabby than them, so. But in my heart, I'm like, they're going to come have a fire with us. They, you know, they hate us right now, and I have no, we have no idea why. We've tried to figure it out. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna come have a fire. They're going to come sit, and they're going to experience the love and peace of God, and they're, they're going to come into the kingdom. The funny thing, these neighbors were our neighbors when we lived in Sun Prairie. They lived in the apartments right behind our house. They were there for several years. We were like stone's throw distance for years, and now they're right next door. We didn't know them then. It's just kind of funny. It's like God's like, yeah, he's got a sense of humor, right? (laughs) Another thing he's doing in our neighborhood, careful how I share these details. Our son has a friend, and... uh, Family has trauma in their life, and uh, I'm not going to give any more details. He showed up at our house the other day, ran away a couple weeks ago, shows up at our house. Mom calls, have you seen him? Yeah. Well, he's not in a good place. Oh, really? Seems like he's in a great mood. Okay. So he had had some things going on, and he wanted to stay at our house. And mom's like, yeah, he could stay. That's fine. Two weeks later, he's sitting in church with us hearing Greg's message about the statistics of fatherlessness and his dad's in prison, that sort of thing. And he's sitting here in church with us. We don't know what God's doing, but God is doing something. And there's more details that make it a vulnerable, very vulnerable, vulnerable situation. What is he doing in this city? I didn't share all these details in the first service. I kind of ran out of time just yammering, but... I don't, I don't want to preach a message about having significant impact and following God into adventure. And, and uh, if I wasn't actually doing it myself, I've shared a couple of things happening in our neighborhood. One is still a prayer request, obviously, until they come and have the fire. But what we're doing in the city, with the young adults, for a year and a half, we've been praying. What? What? We're, we're gathering. It's all 2 Corinthians 3.18. Beholding the glory of God, being transformed for purpose. God, how do you want to use this in the city? How do you want to use this in the city? To make a long story short and only having five minutes, we're, we're going downtown. We're going downtown just to do worship. Not, not plant anything, not plant a church, not, but we're going down to plant a worship center. And I don't, I don't know exactly how it's all going to look, and we're doing a test trial run, but we're, we're about to book four months at the High Noon Saloon. And we're just, we're just going to go worship. We're just going to go worship. We're not going to preach at the lost, per se. 
We're just going to lift up the name of Jesus. We're just going to worship him and worship him and worship him. And there's plenty of apartment complexes, huge apartment complexes across the street. And there's other bars around there. And who knows what traffic we're going to get, but we're going to raise up the name of Jesus. And the Bible says if we raise up his name, he will draw all men to himself. And so as we lift up his name, as we worship him and ask for the power and presence of God to come and to manifest as people that don't know him or people that do come in with struggles and strongholds, that those things fall off and are broken and that they get the revelation of Jesus' love and that, that true relationship, that intimacy of true love, healing, delivered, salva- saved, salvations. And the thing is, this isn't a city church thing. We're, we're doing it, our group is doing it and inviting other, other people, but it's, it's, we're not, this, is, this isn't city church, this is, hey, we're just a group of people that love Jesus and we're raising up his name, we're worshiping him. And so if there's, you know, believers there from High Point or, and Lighthouse and this church and that church and our church and people are coming in and someone gets saved but they've connected with someone from High Point, they're gonna start going to High Point, that's great! That's where God's leading them. That's awesome. If they come and one of our, they're connected with someone from City Church, they start coming here. Great. It's not about, it's about the body of Christ advancing and moving the kingdom with the Lord. Violently taking the kingdom of God and that the the gates of hell will not prevail. Like for real, like are we going to do that? Because it's the God of angel armies. It's not my passion or zeal or excitement or strength. I really, I stub my toe and I cry, right? This is the power of God. It's the kingdom of God advancing. And we violently take hold of that and say no to darkness. We just say no, and the God of angel armies throws the stone, or we throw the stone, the God of angel armies takes down the giants. So what, what specific gold is in you? How has God wired you? Those are the things he's wired me to do. What has he wired you to do that I can't do, that is specifically for you to do, that is of great significance and great impact? Someone from this first service was talking about Billy Graham and how they just went and visited his farm or something. I forget what it was. He went and visited. What if you were the person to lead Billy Graham to the Lord and you reap that reward in heaven? Holy moly! That's significant impact! And all you had to do was lead, that, lead Billy to the Lord. Bank, bank in heaven. I mean, we're all wired differently. We all have gold. Who wants to live a common, mundane, boring life? No one. That's why we have all these idols. Because we want to be entertained. I'm telling you, you want to be entertained, get on the field and get in the game. Start warring. Start doing what God's destined you to and not in anger and hostility, but love, joy, and peace. Go and do the things God's called you to do. The things you've dreamt about. The things that you've dreamt about that you feel you're never going to happen. You're right. They're never going to happen in your own strength. They will only happen if you say yes and follow the Lord step by step by step. We're taking one step downtown. Who knows? People have, oh, you could do this. You could do that. There could, uh, yeah, we could do all of those ministry type things could happen. But we're just going to worship right now. And it's up to God what he wants to do. Maybe we'll do it four times and we'll just say, praise God, that was awesome. And we don't do anything else. This is up to him. This is his mission that he's inviting us onto and into. What is the adventure of your life that if you're like, I am destined to do this. And if you don't know, just spend time with the Lord. And he'll whisper. He'll be like, yeah, you know. Like I said this in the first service. I think this is a really good, a really good idea. Maybe it's not. Maybe you think it's a stupid idea. But, okay, for those of you guys that are retired that are woodworkers, and I know there's some, and I know you guys have been meeting and doing like a home group thing. 
What if you guys got together, took some of the things you've built, because this is your craft, you're so good at this, and you get a, a, a tent at a craft fair, and you guys all set it up together, and maybe you sell stuff, maybe you make some money, but imagine all the conversations you could possibly have with all these other guys that are retired, that are going to look, and, and don't know the Lord and have no hope, and their only joy they have is to go to these craft fairs, and you're there with the light of Jesus, and maybe you're making some money too. Who knows? But you're going out. That's what God gave you, that gift and that skill. Don't bury it. Use it. And use it to advance his kingdom. There's seven, how many people in the world? 7.5 billion horse. There's 7.5 billion ways God is trying to reach the lost. And it's all through his spirit to Jesus. He's gifted each of us and placed us each in the body of Christ with a special gifting, a special meaningful purpose that only you can do. And that's not, I, that's not hype. I know I'm all excited and wound up and I'm about to have a stroke. I'm so excited. <laughs> not really. <laughs> what would happen if we stopped wasting all our time with our idols and got serious 